Hey, welcome to the 1826 podcast. My name is Joe and I'm the leader of the 1826 young adult community here at Faith Chapel. I just want to let you know really quickly, we meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. in our church lobby. I encourage you to check us out on Instagram at 1826FC so you can kind of get a feel for what we're about. Without any further ado, let's dive into the message. Uh, starting in verse one, after Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of Ian Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all of Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. And the men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with this as you wish. Then David crept upon unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Father God, let every word that flow out of my mouth be directly from your heart to these people. God, um, let these words be spoken, not for my glory, but for yours. Let it be an encouragement to our daily lives. Let it be applicable so that we can become better by it and by your word. And we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. When I was, um, when I was a kid, um, there was this Christmas like nativity movie that came out to the theaters. And um, I don't know if this is like just a Midwest thing or just like a church thing, but when a Christian movie comes out, like gang gang, like we rally together and go watch it together. So we had like rented out this theater and we were all sitting there. I will never forget it. It was like me and my friends, you know, we had like a whole row of the boys. And um, there was this part of, of the movie that like, I don't, I don't know how else to, it was like mildly inappropriate. Let's just put it that way. It was mildly inappropriate. So, you know, baby Jesus, he's just born, you know, certain things happen to boys after they're born. Right. And so like, of course me, sixth grader and all my little sixth grader friends were just like, <laughs> like uncontrollably laughing that Jesus was circumcised. Okay. So like we could not hold it together. It's funny, whatever. So 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in, like, we're still, like, laughing. It's one of those things where it's, like, uncontrollable, you know? It's, like, now you're just laughing because we're overly tired. We, we're, it's just one of those things. And I'll never forget my grandma sitting in front of me, turns around and goes, cut it out. Like, through, you know when your grandma gets mad, she, like, talks through her teeth? She's just like, cut it out. And, and so, of, of course, like, it's still so funny, like, her getting mad at me is not going to change the fact that this was funny. And so we're still laughing. And, and so they took me out to the lobby and they're just like, you need to stop. I was like, but everyone's laughing. And she's like, but you know better. And you are, this is the standard for you. We're not worried about them. This is what we have. This is what we're expecting of you. So you need to cut it out. And so I want to talk on, on that phrase, cut it out. And if we could all just point a little scissors for a second, just cut it out. That's the title of my talk. And, and so we're going to be in 1 Samuel 24. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the David series. We've gone from David the shep- shepherd. Now we're in David the, the fugitive. And we'll get to the royalty in the, in the coming weeks. This will be our, our last night of David on the run, per se. Um, but I hope, I hope you've enjoyed it. But so 1 Samuel 24, starting in verse 1. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of Engedi. 
So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the wild goats. By the way, when God has a purpose for you and that purpose is prevalent and that purpose is so strong over your life that other people are able to witness it and see it and they know that God is working in your life, that is when you can expect the enemy to gather all the resources possible for an attack. There is no doubt that when the call of God is over your life and when the spirit of God is working through your soul, that the enemy is going to gear up everything he has for an attack on you. And maybe that's why life has been so hard recently. Maybe that's why life has been hard up to this point. And it's not because that, that God is not with you or God is not for you. It's actually the, the God is so prevalent over your life that you've become target number one from the enemy. And there is no way that he is going to let you achieve this level of greatness or achieve this level of, of, of promise that God has for you without giving you his best shot of attack. So, so verse three, he came to the sheep's pen along the way. A cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave and the men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now, I want to talk about a part of verse 3 and why it's important. And I probably couldn't talk about this in FC Kids or, you know, our junior high group. But like as young adults, I feel like we can talk about Saul relieved himself and like be really mature about it. Okay, so Saul went in to poop. Like Saul had to go to the bathroom. It was this moment where he felt like he was alone, even though he wasn't. It was total relaxation. It was like, I don't have to worry about anything right now. I'm by myself. I'm getting a moment to kind of gather myself. And and why this is important to me, there's two things. I, I think Samuel's being really petty when he's writing this because I don't think Samuel's like actually present in this moment. And so the boys are coming back and telling him what happened. And he's like writing it all down. He's like, okay, and Saul came into the cave. And, and then what? Like, oh, definitely including that, right? There was some blood blood there. But, but point number two, I, I think it's very, very important to Samuel that the reader, you and I, understand that Saul was very vulnerable. And, and Saul is in this moment of vulnerability to where he is open to an attack. And we already know that David gets close enough to attack Saul. And he could have killed Saul. And he had every right to kill Saul because we've already talked, Saul is literally chasing him out in the desert. Saul is literally trying to kill him. He's already tried to kill him. So David gets close enough to end this battle, to end this fight. And he doesn't take the shot. But it was there. It was an easy one. And I think the enemy will try to give us easy wins if it distracts us from God's calling. And, and, and to think about it on maybe a chessboard, the enemy will give up a knight if it means that he can get to our, our king. He, he will play this long game for us where he will put these easy wins out on a platter saying, please take this. Please take this, because I know if you take this, you won't be able to per- pursue what God has for you. I know if you partake in this, you're not going to be able to achieve what you're really supposed to achieve. I know if you step out of God's timing and God's plan. I know if I could just get you to 
shift a little bit, that will be enough to keep you from what God wants to do. And we get so fixated on how easy the victory would be that it must be God who delivered this one. It must be him. So I'm going to take it. And after all, everybody else is saying, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. But you know what's funny about this is God did not say this. You can read your Bible front to back. You can read every single commentary. You can listen to to any other pastor. There is no scripture in the Bible that references God telling David that I'm going to give you Saul and you do whatever you want to him. It's not there. This is a man-made prophecy. Just like many headlines we read today are man-made headlines. And many rumors that you hear are man-made rumors. And what do we do? We take them as facts. What do we do? We don't, we don't read the fine print. What do we do? We just say, you know what? That is what God would probably want for me. You're so right. Thank you for speaking to me. You know what? I do deserve that. I do think God would want me to be happy. I'm just going to go ahead and, and do it. How many times do we hear from our friends? You know what? God would want you to have this. And, and we allow our, our friends or people who mentor us to take on this role of God because we want to believe that this is what God wants for us, not because we actually believe it. There was no part of David that believed in this cave he was supposed to kill Saul. But the enemy is playing two sides of this coin. He's manipulating the opportunity and he's manipulating David's friends. And he's saying, if I can get David to believe, if I can get everybody around him to believe that this is what he's supposed to do, then maybe he'll do it. The opportunity's way too easy here. And sometimes in your life, the enemy will try to manipulate the people closest to you in order to convince you that the opportunity in front of you is from God, when in reality, it's a trap to draw you further from him. David and his men, this is a continuation of of verse three, David and his men were far back in the cave. And the men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your army into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And it's so strange to me that David would do this because David is a man of action. Nobody else wanted to fight Goliath. David fought Goliath. Nobody else wanted to to stand up to Saul. David stands up to Saul. David is a man of action, but yet he's a man of unaction. When, when, When he's not supposed to fight back, what does David do time and time again? He flees the scene. This isn't for me. I'm, I'm leaving the table. I'm leaving the presence of Saul. I'm leaving this position. I, I'm not going to act. But in this, we have a little middle ground where David cuts off the corner of the robe. He, he didn't do what everybody wanted him to do. He didn't do what he probably should have done. He didn't do what would have been accepted. But he also didn't do nothing. He just, just a little, I was here. I I think David is met with this unexpected opportunity where he did not expect for Saul to walk into that cave that day. He did not, it's an unexpected opportunity. 
And you truly don't know who you are until you're met with an unexpected opportunity. And David sees Saul coming in the cave and he's got to figure out who he is. He's got to figure out what level he's going to stoop to or what level he's going to rise to. I think it's easy to say, if I were David this, if I were David that, if I were David, I would, I would have fought Goliath. I've got the Lord on my side. And then in our reality today, we like, run from hard conversations. Like, it's, it's tough to say. And it's, it's really tough for me to believe or, or it would be really tough for me to have someone say, you know what? If my enemy who's been trying to kill me and just last week threw a spear at my head, and I had the opportunity to take them out. You know what? I wouldn't do it. I, that would just be hard for me to believe. If it was me, if I'm being honest, Saul's out. Like, I'm, I'm, this is the elimination of the problem. This is the passing of the throne. This is what God has given me, right? I don't, God, this is the timing that you've provided. I'm going to talk myself into this. Problem eliminated. Throne is now mine. David is proving in this moment whether or not he truly believes in the promise of God or if he's going to handle it in his own way. And he sneaks up on Saul with the same sword that he got from Goliath. And he just cuts off a little bit of a corner. In verse 5, afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. So, like, if you're watching this in a movie and, and this is all mounting up and David's been hiding in this cave with his boys and they're all like, there he is, like, this is the moment and the music starts playing and David's creeping up on Saul with the sword and this is like, man, he's going to kill him, like, he's going to kill him, he's going to, like, this is it. And, and then David's like, little, just a little corner, um, and you're just like, dude, <laughs> are you joking me? That was so anti, this is so anticlimactic. And also you feel bad about it. Like, no, I'm switching the channel. I don't understand you, David. This is not how this story was supposed to go. This is the same man who threw a spear at your head. This is the same man who's been chasing you around the desert. This is the same. This is the reason you have to sleep in a cave every night. This is the guy. And, and you had every right to kill him and you had a wide open shot to kill him. And you didn't take it. And now you feel bad about it. Why, why, David, do you feel bad? And I think what was happening in the cave can only be understood by remembering what happens on the outside of the cave. Let me remind you, verse three. He came to the sheep pens along the way the cave was there. The sheep pens. So let's look at the, the history of David's life. Where does David start? As a shepherd. Where is David going? To the king. He's going to become king. And so you almost have this image in the cave where, where David is starting in his roots and he's looking at his future. And he has this realization as he sits in, the own, in his own nostalgia and his own conviction of if I take that man out, I am no better than him. This is not who I'm going to be. I'm a lot of things, but that's, I want to be king. And I've been appointed to be king. I've been anointed to be king. This is who I'm going to become. But I don't want it like this. I do not, this isn't how we're going to transition power. 
I'm going to trust God that he's going to get me there. I'm going to trust that God has a plan. I'm going to trust that God's process is better than whatever this is going to be. And so I'm just going to cut a little bit of the rope. How many of you believe that what you're called to is more important than where you came from? And I want to encourage someone tonight, it does not matter where you come from. When God calls you, when God transforms your life and your soul, when he said, I know the plans I have for you, a plan to prosper you, not to harm you, it doesn't matter if you come from the darkest, smelliest, coldest, unseen place in the back of the cave, because what you are called to is better than where you come from. And so often we are so hungry to get out of the place that, that we came from, that we take an opportunity that is not from God. And David's conscience drives him to this realization, that's not how I want it to happen. Because if there's something that's more important about where you're going, it's how you're gonna get there. And what is the honor of the title if you do not live honorably? I remember my first job, well, my first like big boy job, I, I was like straight out of college and I remember getting the email of the offer and like, I'm going to have, I'm 21 years old, I'm going to have benefits, like what? I have a salary, like this is so cool and I can't wait and now I have money to do this and I have money to do that and I'm going to buy a new car and like all these wonderful things. And you know what I never thought about or focused on? The actual job itself. <laughs> and you know what I realized when I started working there? I didn't like the job. I wasn't appointed to the job. That was not the position that God had for me. But I wouldn't give it up because I wanted to, I wanted to go on trips and I wanted to drive a nice car and I wanted to have nice clothes. And so I'm stuck in my, in my desire of wanting. I gave up the purpose that God had for me. And what happens is when, when you're always reaching for what, you're, what you want and you're never asking, God, what do you want for me? That's a quick path to misery. And you get stuck in the middle of this personal internal conflict and tension. It would, it would have been so easy for David to say, you know what, I do want to be king. I, I do want this, this battle between Saul and I to end. Maybe I could salvage my relationship with Jonathan. Maybe I could salvage... My, my personality. Saul's going all over the whole country, rubbing my name into the ground. Maybe this could end and I could just take over and make this place better. But you know what? If it comes at the cost of who I am, I don't want it yet. God, you've already promised it to me. You've already promised me a future. You've already promised me the crown. I don't need to take matters into my own hands and give up myself. Afterward, David was so conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. David goes back to his men. He goes back to his people. And through his teeth, he goes, cut it out. Cut it out. They said, but the Lord said, he goes, no, he didn't. Cut it out. They said, but it was the perfect opportunity. Cut it out. But the, but the salaries tripled. Cut it out. I don't want it. I don't, I'm not willing to give up 
my integrity. I'm not willing to give up my morals. I'm not willing to give up my faith. I'm not willing to give up who I am. I'm not willing to, to, to sell out to the voices of even my closest friends. To, to all that, I say, cut it out. Because if it comes at that cost, I don't want it. God will not honor a promise if we do not honor his process. Saul did not honor the process of God. And what did God do? God found a new king. And David, looking at his future, looking at the, the robe that he will wear someday, feels a conviction as he comes back with a piece of it. And his men get all big-eyed, and they're saying, did you do it? Did you do it? He goes, no, I just came back with a, I just cut off a little corner piece. And I, I feel guilty about it, too. You know why? Because someday, that'll be mine. And all I've done here is hurt myself. All I've done here is leave a mark that I'm going to have to inherit. Sometimes we got to go back to the beginning, just like David went back to the sheep's pen. Go back to our calling in order to remember why God gave it to us in the first place. I will not give up my morals. I will not give up my faith. I will not sell out to the pressure and the external voices. I believe many of us in some capacity are sitting in a decision like David, and we have to decide whether we're going to cut it off or cut it out. We've got we to ask ourselves, am I going to take this battle on? Am, am I going to do this? Am I going to take this opportunity? And we, we have so many things coming up in our lives, uh, especially as, as many of us graduate and we're going on to either uh, profession or college and we're asking ourselves, is this the opportunity that you have for me? Is this, the, is this the door that I need to walk through? Everybody's telling me that this is good. Everybody's telling me that this, but I just, I don't feel right about it. And we've, got to, and we've got to sit and go back to our roots. We've got to sit and go back to the Bible. We've got to sit and go back to our, our prayer and say, God, I really only want what you want. I really only want your will. And I know what you've declared over my life. I know you've given, I don't exist just to exist. I have purpose. You have a plan for me. But more importantly, I want your plan to be in your timing. If it's not ready for me yet, I don't want it. I'm not forcing it. It's not for me. If I honor the process, God will honor the promise. It took five more years for David to become king. It was a process. It was hard. Five more years of running. Five more years of sleeping in caves. Five more years... It's hard. It's hard to wait. It's hard to hold on to the promise when you're cold. It's hard to hold on to the promise in the dark. It's hard. People, start, people stop believing in you. You stop believing in yourself. It's, it's tough. But when David stepped into the throne room, he took the crown with absolutely no blood on his hands. He had no, no guilty conscience. He was able to step into his own leadership and be the person that God had appointed him to be. 
I don't want any of us in this room to step into a future with any sort of regret, with any sort of, of, of guilty conscience because we weren't patient enough to wait on the promise that God has already given us. I, I don't want to see us force a marriage or force a relationship because we are not patient enough to wait on the right person. I don't want to see us force a job like I did when I was younger because of all the benefits it had and the salary that it brought us and the, and the security that it brought us and miss out on something that God wanted to do miraculously through us. It, it's gonna, if God promised it to you, it is going to happen. But I want to wait on the Lord. I want to wait on his timing. Amen? Amen. Father God, thank you so much for your word and how it continues to inspire us. God, I ask that we would wait on you. That we wouldn't jump to our own conclusions, that we wouldn't try to take matters into our own hands. Father, that you would just guide us through every step, draw near to our hearts. God, we need you so, so deeply, so badly. We're so lost without you, Jesus. God, I ask that you would bless the conversations that are about to be had in this place. Give us a hope, give us a peace beyond understanding as we go back into our, our routines and our lives. Just be with us. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Hey, thanks for joining us. I hope that message encouraged you. I hope it inspired you. I want to let you know that we meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. You're free to join us. We'd love to meet you. We meet on campus at our home church, Faith Chapel San Diego. You can look us up online. You can follow us on Instagram at 1826 for more info. We hope to see you soon.